Thank you very much, brother. That was, uh, that was very good. I enjoyed that thoroughly. We'll now open the floor to questions from uh, brethren of the church. If you have a question for Brother Mike Criswell, please raise your hand. Shahi George. Thanks, Mike. That was very helpful, especially the idea of the parenthetical aside in that section and the connection between the beginning and the end of the chapter. That helped me a lot. Uh, I have a couple of questions. First, you just mentioned sort of as a side uh, what the, you think the end is talking about the apostles in verse 18. Could you just explain a little bit why you think that, why it's not more general than just the apostles? <sighs> I had a slide on that and I, I deleted it. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, well, it's the we passages, and I'd have to look at where the others are, but there's several we passages in the book of 2 Corinthians that deal with the apostles in this general area of the book. And I'd have to look those up. But they're referring to the apostles, not just us. Now, secondarily, or shall we say, you know, incidentally, there is a benefit for us. But it looks to me like that's the apostles that are being, uh, that are being uh, transformed uh, into the same image and glory of God. That doesn't negate our transformation, but it just seems to me like with the we passages, that's referring to them as apostles first. Okay. My other question is about the beginning section. I used to wonder, and maybe this is obvious to other people and I just never caught it before, why Paul chose letter versus spirit as opposed to law. Why not just say namas like he usually does? And it seems to me that, and maybe you could just see if I'm on the right track here, and it seems to me that that's a play on the opening paragraph where he's talking about the physical letter of commendation being written versus the, what would be better, the spiritual reality of the existence of Christians in Corinth. The very fact that there were spirit people, spiritual people in Corinth is a much greater evidence of Paul's apostleship than just a piece of paper. And so letter then becomes that stand-in for the written documents of the old Mosaic Code versus when Paul writes this, there aren't very many books in the New Testament even written yet. All they have is the Spirit guiding them and the apostles' sermons that they've heard and the teachings of Jesus that maybe they've memorized. Yeah. And so that is a much stronger evidence for the presence of God in a place or the work of Christ than the physical writing. Do you think that's the point of why I, I, he uses letter I, there as yeah. opposed to law? I do think there's, a, there's an illustration there or connection. You know, throughout this chapter, Paul makes a lot of these little, pardon the pun, veiled connections between things. And I also wonder, you might be able to speak to this, but the old Decalogue, the, the Ten Commandments, uh, the, the, they were letters that were written, of course, on, or chiseled on stone. Um, very sparse. And I wonder if that is also connected to some degree. I mean, they're, they're cold. They're, they don't really have a lot of meaning in and of themselves individually. Put them together, yes, but yeah. Yeah, the most common Hebrew way of referring to that is the 10 words. Yes. That, yes the 10 yes, words. The 10 words, yeah. yeah. Clint de France. That was very good. I think I've been waiting four years to hear this sermon. <laughs> and it was worth the wait. Uh, your explanation of verse 17 was extremely helpful, very, very helpful. Uh, on the, the section about you are our letter written by the Spirit, mm -hmm. Lancelot Oliver was a British Restoration preacher. 
he was, I think, the second editor of the British Millennial Harbinger. And he wrote a little book on the apostles and their role in the Christian system that was a very good book. Some people may have read that book. But he makes the interesting suggestion that when Paul says, you are a letter written by the Spirit, he was referring to the presence of spiritual gifts, the abundance of spiritual gifts in the church at Corinth. And his point was, if I'm not an apostle, how do you explain all these spiritual gifts among you? Because apostles were the ones who distribute them. Now, when I read that, I thought, hmm, that's pretty good. And I, you know, thought, oh, that'll preach. But now you have challenged, I mean, it might preach, but it might not be right, because you've challenged that with particularly pointing out to the comment about tablets of the heart, which does seem to lend more to the interpretation you offered here that Paul proved himself as a true minister of the gospel by the presence of spirituality, not just spiritual gifts, but spirituality among them. That is, they were truly spiritual or spirit-led people. And how could they be if Paul had not faithfully ministered the gospel to them? So you've got those two alternative possibilities, and the one that used to seem really... Uh, uh, favorable to me, but I'd like you to evaluate between them and let me know what you what you think about that. Well, I think you've done a good job doing that. <laughs> um, I'm not familiar with that other position. I didn't run across that in any of my books or and Reese. Uh, Re by the way, Reese is really good on this uh, chap. Well, on the whole book, but uh, by the way, when I write my next synopsis or commentary on the epistles, I'm going to call it Reese's Pieces. <laughs> but, uh, but nonetheless, um, well, my Matthew was Fowler Light, so anyway, um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, that may make a good logical, you know, statement, but I, I don't, I see the contrast as being different than that. That was great, Mike. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I always used to think that when I was growing up and would, I would think about the children of Israel being afraid of Moses, and they were afraid of him, but that's really not the point. And uh, I did want to underline one thing that you said, and, then I, and I have a question too. I wanted to underline, when we're talking about the law bringing condemnation or being the ministration of death, we also need to be careful how we're saying that, uh, as you were. Paul over and over again here says the law was glorious. And in Romans 7:12, he says, the law is holy and just and good. And while it is true that the law uh, condemned every sinner and therefore could not work as a system of justification for any sinner, uh, we need to be careful that we do not give people the idea that there was something wrong with the law. It is God's word. And, and you said that, but I wanted to underline that. I also was very impressed with your parenthetical uh, argumentation or argument on verses 7 through 16. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. But I wanted to ask, uh, in view of that, in verse 17 and also verse 18, possibly the word spirit should not be taken as a capital letter. Mm -hmm. Is that how you're looking at that? Yes. However, uh, spirit is such a 
multifaceted term. And of course, the Greek wouldn't have been uh, capitalized. Right. It would have just been Panama or Numa or however you say it. Um, there, there may be a, a room for, for play in a lot of the concepts there. I think that's my view. I don't, I don't. Right. But I do think it's, it's I th anytime the word spirit is used and it's capitalized, I think we at least have to consider, is this the interpreter's or uh, the translator's decision or is this, is it warranted? Well, I think that is the case. Yeah. I've argued that's the case in Romans 8 a number of times. Yeah. The word spirit shouldn't be capitalized. Sometimes it should. Uh, but anyway, I thought that was a really interesting argument. On this spirit in life, uh, I never heard of, what was his name? Yeah, him. I never heard of him, but I, I had a view about this that was similar maybe. That is that he referred to the Old Testament as the letters because they were complete and they were they had been completed long ago. And the New Testament as the Spirit, because it was currently being revealed and authenticated by the Holy Spirit at that time. And as you, somebody said, there weren't very many letters written uh, by this time. Uh, and I, I just, but you made some really interesting arguments there. I'm at, Consider that. It, it, to me, this is a tough chapter. Well, Second Corinthians is, is tough to me because it, it's not linear like First Corinthians. Thanks, Matthew Schaefer. Well, thank you, Mike. I, I want to really reflect all the praise that's been given to you already because <laughs> all the points that have been brought up are exactly the ones I was going to mention about the parenthetical statement, as well as the uh, the view that Moses' glory, in essence, faded. That that was a new idea to me this year. Uh, you're the second one to bring it up to me recently, but I appreciate that. Thanks. My uh, question kind of builds off of what Shahe and Clint have asked, uh, dealing with the, the church in Corinth as Paul's spiritual letter of recommendation, in a sense, or, or as, as the work of the Spirit written on the tablets of the heart. And I, I'm curious what you think about the fact that Paul makes this statement about a congregation that he elsewhere accuses of, of not being spiritual, like in 1 Corinthians 3 and 1, and perhaps connected uh, to that idea, what your thoughts are on the significance that in verse 18, uh, Paul says, not that we have been transformed into the image of his glory, but that we are being, being transformed. transformed. Well, the transformation, obviously, as humans is an ongoing thing. Um, I don't know if there's any connection here <clears throat> You know, when Moses would go visit God and come back, that seems to happen several times, or repeatedly. I don't know if there's some connection with that and our continual transformation, just like Moses, you know, had gone to visit God many times, apparently, it seems, during his ministry, or during his time. So I don't, I'm not sure about that. Uh, back to the Corinth thing, though, how could he criticize on one level, but then also commend on the other? I mean, I mean we do that. You know, we as preachers, you know, some kind of really romp hard on our congregations and then we're proud of them on the other hand. So I don't know that that's necessarily a strange thing. Good question. Any other questions or comments for Mike Briswell? Brother, do you have any closing thoughts? Not really. You know, Clint mentioned this has been four years. <laughs> My father died two years ago, 
and that took me out of the study, and then COVID, and then, uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to come back and sort of relook at this material, uh, but I also appreciate the congregation, and thanks for your labor of love, and the sisters for taking care of us. Thank you.